1: of Hashem. and everyone
0: For the hummets, we'll be munching matzo. Changing my pots and pans, got a have man
2: for my profit. I got her gutters, looking for the hummets, we'll be munching matzo. <laughs> Get to the house, I'm feeling like a big shot. I'm so pumped up, getting ready for the pizza Unpacking the dishes just as soon as we did 11 8. People like, man, that's a real nice set of place. Cleaning up, souping up, from its out, to in. Checking with a feather and a candle for the leavening. In just a couple days, gonna have a big feast. Brisket, liver, lamb, chicken, wine, and the bread of our affliction. Peace. But this says 99 cents. Frogs and pestilence, but locusts, lights, so on that so none of that dripping. Some wine out for the Pharaoh. Cause his junior had to perish crossing seas, splitting seas, splitting rocks, no trees. In the desert, 40 years, we're cleaning, leaning, ready, set, mealing. Next year in Jerusalem, next year in Jerusalem, not for real. Ask El Al, can you fly me to Israel? Shalom, shalom, I say to loving fellows. we know got time for Send roses to Pharaoh.
3: Guys, guys, wait a second Why are we doing this song? There are so many better songs we could be singing I remember when music used to be good And used to stand for something And mean something You know, like back in the good old days Matza bra, bra
1: To bite the cedar was on Monday night and these leftovers don't smell right. His face oh, come on I'd love something to eat made from unleavened
4: say
0: J.M. in the a.m. Wednesday morning as we get closer and closer to the holiday of Pesach. Hope you're doing well, everybody. Welcome to a Wednesday on this uh, March the 28th. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I don't know what is with my voice this morning. March the 28th at 12th of Nisan. Pesach this coming Friday night. Believe it or not, 38 degrees. Morning rain and a high of 55. It's raining out there right now. In the New York area, Diaspora Lois Avasenu. You heard Simcha Liner Pischili. that's live in Odessa. Um, 613 had Pesach Shop, one of a kind, done by eighth day, by request. Micha Gamerman's a child of Hashem and Pesach medley, by request. And Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. JM and the AM, good morning all. Want to comment on our app? Go to the NSN, Nachum Single Network app. For Android and iPhone and comment away. Let us know what you want to hear, where you are, how you're spending Pesach, how much you love the holiday, when you plan on cleaning the car and straightening up the house. <laughs> we want to know everything. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff going on. We'll have plenty coming up. Shai Shechter is going to join us. Uh, we'll address one of the questions that we spoke about with our panel on Monday during the Pesach program. Uh, he'll join us later on. Also, in the uh, eight o'clock hour, the Rothenberg Law Firm—they have some reminders. As we get closer to Pesach about safety, uh, safety standards, and different things you need to know. And uh, our friends from NCSY and Corin—they're out with a brand new sitter. Great job they've done. Really a great job with it. And we'll explain what it's all about, where you can get it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. More coming up. Twenty-five minutes before seven o'clock on a J.M. in the A.M. Wednesday with Arye Kunzler.
5: Eleven, eleven, two sea, in my knack to shame a shame, eleven, and ask here. Eleven, eleven, two sea, in my knack to shame a shame, eleven, and ask here. Ooh, Him a curl a fall i Him a I never again the love Him hey, a car over in a follow. An act new new line inside that. Kamulani move on is Shia
3: Lash, become my heart. Become my Honed Bakoid. None of us see you are so safe, and then None of us see
6: no, you're a
1: sea, no, you're a sea, fair, It's a hooky you'll leave the mi khamay khabare ma sha mi
3: khamay
1: mi
7: khamay khad dar i say farewell na niras hi like i say farewell I say felan shir hadasha shi bi khugyulum <laughs>
2: So oh, I got
4: I'm
0: In the AM Having trouble talking this morning Not quite sure why That is the Shomrim uh, halfcade Words from the Haggadah The great Rav Shlomo Kalbach here At uh, JM in the AM uh, Before that you heard Rai Baruch Chait With the Alchom Asayich Shalshalaz Words from Az Yashir Which is of course associated with this great holiday coming up Aspak Laria had Enod Milvado, Yurach and the Miami Boys Choir, Altira. They're going to be in concert Monday night. The big event at the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York. Check out jewishtickets.com, jewishtickets.com. Aryeh Kunstler had Alev Arechev in there. It is a Wednesday, JM in the AM, 38 degrees, morning rain with a high of 55. Tomorrow night, Bedikas Hametz. Friday night, the Seder night. We're getting ready for an amazing and incredible Yontif. Uh, Monday, don't forget, as I said, King's Theater for Miami, for Mordecai Shapiro, for Avramel, Avram Freed. Go to jewishtickets.com. Don't forget, Tuesday, I'll see you at the uh, Six Flags Great Adventure with Benny Friedman, the 4 p.m. concert. Thank you to New Jersey NCSY for that. Go to uh, ncsygreatadventure.com, ncsygreatadventure.com, ncsygreatadventure.com for information. New Jersey NCSY taking care of that. Be there with Benny Friedman on uh, Tuesday. Ding is scheduled to visit us tomorrow. He's got a whole bunch of stuff going on, so we'll speak with him in studio here tomorrow at JM and the AM. Uh, and we are here each day of Holomoid, so you can get updates and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, by tuning in here. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at nachemsegal.com on the Nachemsegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app, as we like to call it. Uh, we'll do our news from Israel coming up. We have Gale Tzal in the background, and uh, our news from Israel featured momentarily. Galitzal Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Wednesdays next. Poker toe from jamnam.
8: Gale Tzal is Ashtime, Shibel in Masha Korah נגידת בנק ישראל, קרנית פלוג, אומרת כי המשק ארוך לירידה במחירי האדירות. בתשובה לשאלת כתבנו הכלכלי ניטי ענבי הבהירה, נוחל לספוג גם ירידה חדה במחירים. אני מאוד מקווה שהמגמה הזאת אכן תימשך. אני חושבת שירידה, בוודאי מהסוג שראינו, וגם אם משמעותית יותר, אני חושבת שהיא בסך הכל תיה חיובית מבחינת המשק. יש כושר ספיגה גם לירידה חדה יחסית במחירי הדיון. הרמטכאל גדי אייזנקוט התייחס לחדירת האחוליה החמושה לעוטף עזה אתמול ואמר יש ללמוד מעט תקלות. עלינו
9: להביט פנימה, להפיק לקחים מתקלות ולהבטיח את ביטחון המדינה ותושביה. מתוך אחריות, מקצועיות ונחישות לבצע את יעודנו המשותף להבטיח את המדינה או להכריע
8: ולנצח במלחמה נשיא ארצות הברית דונלד טראמפ אומר כי הוא מצפה לפגישתו מנהיג קוריאה הצפונית כים ג'ונגון כתבתנו עינה אנטונוב
2: טראמפ כתב ביטוויטר במשך שנים אמרו כולם כי אין סיכוי לשלום בחצייה הקוריאני עכשיו קיים סיכוי טוב שכים יעשה הדבר הנכון עבור כולה הבוקר בסין כי רודן, קוריאה הצפונית בחשי בבייג'ינג והתחייב לפרק את תוכנית הנשק
8: בעקבות מחת הורים שקולים, הופעה של המשורר יונתן גפן שתוכננה לארח בבית יד לבנים בחולון, תועבר לאולם אחר. כתבנו יואב אונגר. 80 נציגי משפחות שקולות חתמו בשבוע שעבר על
10: מכתב לראש עיריית חולון בדרישה לבטל את הופעתו של גפן שביאתה מ희ה במחבלת אייט דמימי שסיטה לרצח יהודים, כח לדבריהם. אמש נפגשו נציגי משפחות המנקה לתיאטרון בחולון, בחסותו נרחיתה הופעה ומסכימו להעברת ההופעה
8: לאולם אחר בחולון. על רקע ההודעה על שיפור במצבו של המוזיקאי יצחק קלפטר אשתו ורד אמרה בגלי צהל אנו מאמינים שיחזור לעצמו
6: הוציאו אותו מהארדמה הוא
8: בתהליך של התרשישות זה עניין של תהליך וצריך סבלנות ואני מאמינה שיהיה בסדר קצת חדשות טובות מזג האוויר חם מהרגיל גשם מקומי וממחר הקלה ניכרת בטמפרטורות אלה החדשות שאורך יותם לבי.
9: Sockets, I am very from. Yes, I'm a super juice. Searching through the night for feet forgotten that's been perching out of sight. Moldy and rotten, like the peanuts in my chair. Popcorn everywhere. If I can't find that soda bottle. I will have to be befuddled. All I cannot see that still is hidden, for it soon will be to me forbidden. So till break of dawn, I'm searching through the night, searching through the night for tiny pieces of whole wheat dry and white. And some from Reese's, they'll be burning bright. Come morning suns review. Open every drawer and all the closets, finding more and more unsafe deposits. Now I'm keeping score. That's number 90. Searching through the night investigating while I fight my appetite. Supper is waiting now, there's no one else around. Do I hear a sound? Can it be a lion roaring? No, it's just my wife she's snoring. Boy, it must be late. If she is sloughing wow it's five oh eight wasn't bluffing when I said that I'd be searching through the night. Now I'm here come on you overdid it Your happy Col's gone <laughs> won't say who hit it Abba, you go on Just searching through the night
1: Oh do
9: you love you who go go Hodder Hodder Hodder
5: Cakes alive, yeah.
1: I'm looking through the house for play-doh. I got bagels and rolls, cookies, dough. No way, though, it's off time, yeah. And that's the way that I'm prepping. I'm gonna be done in time, so long as you're helping. There's no comments in the house tonight. Everybody can do it on time. We searching every morsel's gone. Everybody, it's Pesach time. Every day I'm suffering.
4: Suffering, suffering. Gonna take ten
5: pieces of bread. Around the house we will spread. Take a feather and a rag. Grab a flashlight and a bag. Every corner. Every
1: draw, every pocket, that's the law. Jump up, jump
2: J.M. so for foreign.
1: Clean up, clean up, clean
0: up, clean 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 up, up, time. Pesach time done by Gershon Varoba here at JM in the AM. Searching through the night. Those were the Rechnitzer rejects. Talking about Leel Badikas Hametz, which is tomorrow night. Arye Kunstler, Micha mocha, words from the uh, Az Yashir. Hey, keep in mind that a couple of our favorite places to eat are going to be open on Pesach. Bedford-on-Park with their delicious and incredible maple-glazed lamb bacon. Wonderful soups and salads and fantastic steaks. They're going to be open, Bedford-on-Park, 61 East 34th Street on Pesach, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for lunch. So check out Bedford-on-Park, 61 East 34th Street, New York City. Also, our friends at the Teaneck Doghouse. Our friends at the Teaneck Doghouse have released a uh, Pesach menu. So kudos to them. Check them out. Teaneck Doghouse will be open again Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for lunch. Uh, so uh, lunch and dinner, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and lunch on uh, Thursday. Uh, check out the Teaneck Doghouse. Enjoy them over Pesach. They are amazing when they are Chomets, and they are amazing, I'm am sure, when they are Pesachdik. Wednesday morning, it's JM in the AM. Uh, lots of events going on, as you know. Don't forget Monday night. I'll see you at the King's Theater with uh, Begun of the Miami Boys Choir. With Avramel, Avram Fried, and Mordechai Shapiro. That's all happening Monday night, Holomoid, Kings Theater, Brooklyn, New York. Go to jewishtickets.com, jewishtickets.com. Also on Tuesday, 4 p.m., Benny Friedman at Six Flags. That's right. Make sure you're at Six Flags Great Adventure by 4 o'clock on Tuesday. NCSY presents Benny Friedman. I'll see everybody there. Um, NCSYgreatadventure.com. Probably the easiest way to get all the information you need ncsygreatadventure.com ncsygreatadventure.com easiest way to handle the whole thing Uh, what's up next here this is a um, this is a selection that became an extremely popular song year round years ago but Pesach time it's something even more meaningful Yaakov Shweki this is JM in the AM (laughs)
5: It's And Arranged by Jonathan himself.
6: <atualening loves> we say no, we
7: love
6: no. She
3: no
11: Yeah, <speaking> yeah, <in foreign language>
0: Jam in the A.M. What a tune. Adir Bimlucha, Mona Rosenblum & Company. Words from the Haggadah. Before that, Yaakov Shweki. Words from the Haggadah. Vahisha umdo. Wednesday morning, Jam in the A.M. with 38 degrees, morning rain. High temperature of 55. By the way, people have been asking about Rabbi Goldwasser's Siyum. Will there be a Siyum on the radio this Friday? Remember, this Friday is Tanis Bechorim, the fast of the firstborn. Traditionally, we have a Siyum on the radio. Whether that Siyum exempts you from going to a seum. you should discuss with your local rabbi. Again, if that seum, the one that we present, uh, whether that exempts you from going to an actual seum, that is something you should discuss with your local rabbi. But traditionally, we have a siyum on the air to commemorate the fact that it is a day of siyumim because of the Tanis bechorim, a fast of the firstborn. We'll explain more about that Friday morning. Anyway, it'll be early this year. 6:45 Eastern Time is when Rabbi Goldwasser wants to address this congregation. When he wants to address this audience, 6:45 Eastern Time, Friday morning. That is when the seum uh, will take place here at J.M. in the A.M. Speaking of Rabbi Goldwasser, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words: and and Esther Here is oh, one second before we do that. I guess we got to do this. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning chizuk.
4: It once happened that a chosid of the great tzaddik, the base Aaron, his name was Rav he prepared the Seder table and left to Shul. Like it says in Shulchan Aruch, Yeh Shulchan Aruch, that your table should be set, Mib'od yom, while it is still day. miyad, kishatechshach, in order that when we're ready for the Pesach Seder, we can begin immediately. So the matzahs, the wine, the dishes, the glasses, everything was set on the table. While he was davening, his wife went to light the Yom Tov candles. As she turned to walk away from the candles, she tripped and fell. In her confusion, she grabbed onto the tablecloth to steady herself, and of course, She pulled the tablecloth off, along with everything on it, the dishes, the glasses. It all broke. The wine spilled. The matzos all cracked. The candles also tipped over. The oil spilled, and the light was extinguished. The only light left in the room was a small kerosene lamp on the edge of the table that weakly eliminated the prevailing chaos in the room. The beautiful Yom Tov table was all in ruins, all the preparations out the window. His wife was so upset that she didn't even have the strength to cry. She just went back into her room. When Roberta returned from Shul, he wondered about the chaos in the room. He was overwhelmed by the smell of the spilled oil and the wine. He was shocked to see the empty table. Rabirta closed his eyes. He took a deep breath and called out in a hearty voice, Good Yom tev. After all that had happened, that was already too much for his wife. She came out and said her piece. What Yom are you thinking about? How could you put a chair in the middle of the room so that it should be a mishal, that I should trip over it? What should he respond? Don't you have eyes to see? Don't you realize how I helped you today? He didn't say one word. He quietly began to clean up the mess, saving whatever dishes and glasses he could salvage. It was as if nothing had happened. He was not going to allow this mishap to affect his Simchas Yom Tov. Gently, he went over to try and appease his wife. He calmed her down and begged her to sit at the Seder table. They would conduct the Seder with whatever they had. At that moment, the Beis Aaron sat and conducted his Seder table at the highest level of Godlus, with all the hushbos, all the divine emanations. At the end of the evening, after the Seder, the Beis Aaron said the following, Our Seder wasn't bad. It was a nice Seder. But what is our Seder Compared to the Seder of Roberta, his Seder was Mari Sholomus. It stirred the heavens. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you Morning chizik. Have a nice
0: day. JM and the AM Wednesday. Thank you, Rabbi Goldwasser. Again, I remind you, uh, it is our custom here to present a Sium every uh, Tanis Bechorim, every Erev Pesach. On JM and the AM or by Goldwasser, of course, will be doing that again for us this year, starting 6.45 Eastern time this coming Friday, 6.45 Eastern time. Whether that seum exempts you as a bachar or the father of a uh, of a minor bachar or a bachar minor, um, from fasting, uh, you discuss with your local rabbi. Okay, please, if you are relying, as it seems every year, more and more people are asking when the seum is? So I guess people are relying on it. If you are relying on this seum to exempt you from the uh, uh, from the requirement to fast or the custom to fast, um, then I ask you to please check with your uh, rabbi about that. Meanwhile, because it is a custom, because it is a tradition in the Jewish world to have seumim all around the world on Friday on Erev Pesach, we will be doing it again this year. Rabbi Goldwasser's seum begins. Eastern Time. Wednesday morning, J.M. and A.M. Hope your Pesach preparations are going well. So many of you uh, recall the Pesach products program from this past Monday. And in fact, uh, people commented on it again yesterday. We repeated it. We encored it just after J.M. and A.M. yesterday morning. And a lot of interesting issues came up. We spoke about uh, is there such a thing as a Shalom Zachar on a Friday night Lel Seder, Uh, which it seems uh, since then we've done some research and there in fact is not. Uh, we discussed a whole bunch of different situations that are uh, taking place this year specifically because the Seder is Friday night. And uh, one of the things that we brought up was this um, interesting concept that for those in Israel, Pesach ends essentially Friday night, uh, right after the seventh day, Pesach, and goes right into Shabbos, of course. And uh, for us, outside of Israel, uh, Pesach will continue with Achron Shall Pesach next Shabbos. And we raised the question, could someone in theory... Uh, cook up someone who's um, an Israeli, cook up some uh, kitneos, an Ashkenazi Israeli even, cook up some kitneos on the seventh day of Pesach with the air of tefshilin, of course, which has been made, and then eat it on Shabbos. They themselves, not, not offering it, of course, to those who are outside of Israel. They themselves eat it. And I am told, and I hope I'm accurate, uh, we'll find out in a minute if I'm accurate, I am told that this question um, made its way uh, and influenced um, a she'er that Rabbi Shai Schechter has um, uh, delivered, and one that he will, in fact, deliver later today as well. Rabbi Shai Schechter is the Rosh based Medrash at the Young Israel of Woodmere, and he joins us live via telephone. Rabbi Schechter, welcome to JM in the AM.
10: Good morning, Nakam. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Am I right that Monday pleasure? Am I right that Monday's show and this question sort of altered the uh, your Kitneos presentation this week in Woodmere?
10: It absolutely did, and i got to give credit to uh, Miriam Wallach for asking me this question about actually a little variation of the regular question, and that is, what if you have an Israeli who's going to be in your home uh, in America? Would that person be able to cook up something, even though the rest of the members of the family here in America would not be able to participate, would not be able to eat it, because for us, it is still Pesach. Right. Now, the truth is, the question is discussed very broadly, in Israeli communities, because they all want to make a challenge for Shabbat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone's so, desperate uh,
0: Everyone's desperate for a real challenge. <laughs> yes.
10: Yeah, so here in America, it's a little bit of an unusual question, but it's very fascinating. It's a very interesting issue. All
0: right, so where I don't want to give away your entire sheer to those who are going to be attending later today, but where do we go with this question? Because I would think that in addition to the whole... Uh, you know, exposing uh, someone in the household to kidneys uh, question, I would also think that there's got to be an element of somebody who is a uh, Ben Eretz Israel, somebody who is living in Israel, who's visiting the United States. Generally, we don't want them uh, doing things publicly or, you know, in front of other people that would normally be a violation of the holiday. Uh, what we would call Bifar And these days, as someone pointed out to me last night when I was discussing this question with them, these days everything is Bifar And so, number one, one would think, do we want them to, you know, to uh, in the kitchen of somebody who's here in the U.S., want them cooking up kitneos on the seventh day Pesach? Would that be one consideration?
10: I think there are a number of points about what you just raised. One is that normally we would say that it's not a wise idea to have people cooking, let's say, non-kosher food in your house, you never know what's going to happen. I think it's difficult to say that kidneys falls into that category because we have so many friends and so many relatives who are from the Sephardi communities who feel that it's absolutely permissible to use kidneys on Pesach. Mm -hmm. So I think that consideration is not really the same as we otherwise would have it in perhaps other areas of kosher food or not. Uh, it's a little bit similar to, let's say, there are Hasidim who are careful not to eat gibraks on Pesach. So, once again, one cannot say that that is considered to be, like, non-kosher food in the home of somebody who's a chassid. That's just, you know, different customs, different communities have different things. When it comes to kidneys, this is something that was instituted a thousand years ago by the Rishonim, and um, although the Rishonim know clearly, based on the Gemara Mesef HaSachim, the Rishonim know that it can never really lead to become chametz. That's the nature of these items, of rice. Uh, rice can never become chametz, but yet we assume that it's a humra. It's a very old humra that the Rishonim have adopted, and it's something that, um, that we have accepted as Ashkenazim, the Hm.
0: So on your first point, so the gentleman who tried to tell me last night that this would be comparable to somebody doing malacha in your home on the eighth day, Pesach. Again, obviously, this year it's Shabbos, so there's a difference. But if it would be if it would be a weekday, we would discourage somebody from doing melacha in front of our children, even though they're allowed to, quote unquote, because they're ben Eric t'shorel. This would not cooking kidneys on the seventh day would not come close to being comparable to that type of situation.
10: No, not at all. I don't think it's the same. And mm, the only other the only other thing to keep in mind with regard to that question is. One of the students of the Chasam Sofer in the 1800s writes that if somebody is going to have to cook kidneys in their home on Pesach, either because they have a family member who's not well or there's extenuating circumstances, for example, the Sholem Aishah writes about a time when there was simply no money to buy regular food and the. Ch-
0: you there, Rabbi Shachter? Yes. Oh, there you are. Go ahead. Yeah. No money to buy regular food, right?
10: Um, the Sholem writes that there was a year when there was no money for food, and the cheapest item they were able to purchase was rice. Uh, so the Sholem writes that certainly we would allow a person to buy rice in such a year and to eat it, because, uh, extenuating circumstances allow us right. to have kidney and some Pesach. So the Maram writes that if one is in such a circumstance, you are allowed to cook it, you're allowed to eat it, but he suggests that you cook it in a different pot than the regular... Pots that you would use for other Pesach cooking. Mm-hmm. So that is that is a suggestion, and you know, to tell you the truth, this is a question that we're asked very often. Let's yeah. say you have a uh, son-in-law or a daughter-in-law who is a Svarti, uh... or you have an Ashkenazi who married into a Sfarati family, and everybody wants to accommodate each other, but the question is, what does one family unit do when some of them are eating kidneys and others are perhaps not allowed to? Mm-hmm. So these are all uh, fascinating elements of this issue.
0: Are 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 there are there how do I say this? Are there plenty of reliable postgim who would tell an Ashkenazi son-in-law to eat whatever your mother-in-law in the Sfaradic home is serving on Pesach or that is a limited number of postkim who would say that?
10: I would say it's a very prominent fact that was given by the great Sadiq Bavavi Yosef. He writes a lengthy discussion about this. And he feels that it's entirely permissible for the Ashkenazi son-in-law to eat his mother-in-law's food. Um, But not everybody agrees. I know my father has had his doubts about such a psaac, but he certainly understands where it comes from. You know, you have to really weigh each situation carefully. Like uh, a couple of days ago, I was asked by a vegan whether or not on Pesach we can allow them to eat kippie. After all, there's very limited amounts of food that they can actually eat on Pesach because everything has eggs in it. Right. So once again, you have to really judge each circumstance and figure out whether or not it's reasonable for us to allow a person to eat kidneys on any given year.
0: Right. Their argument uh, Their argument was, if I remember your presentation correctly, that they might be uh, in the category of a chola, someone who's not well, where you would, of course, be more lenient when it comes to what, the, what they're allowed to eat.
10: Right. So the question is, do we define a chola? somebody who has made a choice to become a vegan, is that considered a cola, Or would we say, you really do have the option to eat other foods, you have just chosen not? To. So that's a very interesting question to think
0: about. Yeah, so if someone's actually allergic to the entire menu list, that would be different from, from, from uh, restricting themselves by choice. That certainly. Would, yeah. For
10: example, a celiac.
0: We yeah. certainly
10: would allow a celiac to eat kidneys on Pesach because they have very limited... Uh, food items
0: that they can use i don't know i sort of like the cola argument i don't know why i sort I sort of thought the vegan because i heard you a uh, your presentation about it i thought they had a good case not that i'm arguing with you i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just saying i thought they were making a valid point and that you know who who really is i mean a cola themselves sometimes one may argue is responsible for getting themselves in that position you know somebody who's a heavy smoker You know, can't you argue that, you know, they are a chola, they've developed a certain disease because of their choices, you know, along the way?
10: Yeah, it's a very interesting question. Um, You know, I actually spoke yesterday with both my father and Rabbi Usher Weiss from Yerushalayim about this very question, and they were a little bit hesitant, because on Mm. the one hand, you might be responsible for creating the circumstance, but on the other hand, right now, the way you find yourself, and let's say you've been a vegan for a number of years, I don't know exactly how it works, but I would imagine it would cause an upset stomach. It would cause you to feel very uncomfortable if you had to break your diet at this point. Right. So it really, uh, it's really something that we need to consider. We need to think about. With a changing world and with people who have very restrictive eating habits, we have to start you know, recalculating and thinking more carefully about the sock that we gave regarding kidneys.
0: Interesting. Rosh Shai is with us, Roaster based Medrash at the Young Israel of Woodmere. All this began. Our conversation began because of what happened Monday here, and the question of the uh, uh, the being uh, cooked on the seventh day of Pesach by an Israeli in an American home for himself to eat on the eighth day of Pesach, which of course for him would be a quote unquote regular Shabbos. By the way, back for a moment to the um, uh, to the question of uh oh. Uh, it just escaped my mind. Okay, I'll move on to the next thing. I'm sure that'll come back to me. Is there a possibility, we were discussing this last night as well, <clears throat> is there a possibility that, um, that for the person who is um, uh, cooking on the seventh-day Pesach, again, I, I guess it would be more so you know, in the case of the U.S. where they're cooking for themselves exclusively, is it possible that that kitniyos on the seventh-day Pesach would be considered muktzah?
10: That is a very important question, and that is really the crux of the issue with regard to this whole discussion. So the truth is, if you look, the Gemara Maseche Shabbos has a very interesting idea where we're told, let's say you have Truma, which as we know is something that can only be consumed by a Kohen, a regular, non-Kohen is not allowed to, so would a Yisrael on a regular Shabbos be allowed to handle Truma items or not? Now generally we assume that Something that I have no purpose for on Shabbos is considered to be muktzah. For right. example, raw meat, which I cannot cook, and therefore I cannot eat on Shabbos. Um, raw meat is assumed to be muktzah, which is uh, which is pretty obvious. The Shulchan Arif writes that. So the question is: Would you assume that truma, which is off limits for some Jewish people, would we assume that a regular Jew who is a non-Kohen has no right to handle truma on Shabbos because it's muktzah? Or perhaps not. So the Gemara there tells us in Maseches Shabbos, Afkuv Chazayim, that we assume that once it's allowed for one Jew, it's allowed to be handled by any Jew. Mm. I think it's just a a beautiful concept because we uh, we assume that it's not considered to be Muktzah because it's not off limits. Even though for me I cannot eat it, we still would assume that it's okay. I think generally today, because we are blessed to live in communities where we have many many interactions and familial ties to. Vardim and Ashkenazim, all eating at each other's homes and being friendly with each other. I think, given the circumstances that we have, which I think are such a beautiful circumstance, one has to argue that this is very similar to the story about Truma, that we would not assume that it's considered to be mukta, because you never know. Maybe I'm going to have a smarty who's going to come visit my home, and I'm going to want to make him something that he can eat that he'll be comfortable with. I, uh, I don't think the mukta issue would present itself as a problem here.
0: And uh, does that apply to non-food items as well? Uh, if somebody's in your house and, I don't know, they you know they have items for their baby, and obviously it, you, you, have you, the person who doesn't have a child, has no reason to touch it, to move it, etc., because it's mutter for them to, to use, it would be no question of mukta for anybody else?
10: Yeah, there are a number of sources where the Gemara discusses this, and the Shulchan Arach and Hilcha Shabbos as well. Uh, I, I think we would assume that this doesn't present an issue uh, at all.
0: Hmm, very interesting. Last night someone tried to convince me uh, with a different proof that on uh, Yom Kippur, even though we're not allowed to eat food, we could certainly take food and give it to our child. But I guess that would be different anyway because there is a reason for us to do it. I mean, I would say there's a toelus there. There's a reason, but uh, yeah. but they said... I mean,
10: that- look, there there is a Gemara and Ptachem, which complicates this a little bit. The Gemara says you're not allowed to handle Hamas on Pesach even if it doesn't belong to you, you're not allowed to handle it because we're concerned maybe you're going to come to eat it. Right. So that's the question here. Why aren't we concerned as well when it comes to kidneys that if you handle it, maybe you'll come to eat it? Right. So it's a, uh, definitely a complicated issue, but something that's a very interesting, thought-provoking idea.
0: I could give you my annual example of that, by the way. If you're at a, yeah. ma- if you're at a major league ballpark on Pesach, Cholomoed, and the, the tradition, of course, is if your neighbor asks you to pass the food item from the vendor to them, then, of course, you know, good a good neighbor, of course, you're going to do it. But what if that is, that's, in fact, a hot dog in a bun? And now you are, in fact, for a second, holding real hummets, to say the least. Real hummets on Pesach. We've actually asked this question on the air in past years, and uh, it, it can get complicated.
10: Yep. Yeah. Life gets more and more interesting as we go.
0: Here's the uh, question I meant to ask you earlier when you mentioned about the um, eating and you know someone eating and uh, from a Ashkenazi background eating in a Sephardic home on Pesach. Would it be similar? Because I believe uh, that there are re- reliable poskim who would tell someone who does not hold from the quote unquote heter mechira, and I can't get into it right now for for every listener who may not know what it is, but for our purposes, let me just say it that way. Heter Mechira, um, uh, that if they are in someone's home who does hold by the Heter Mechira and therefore would have a more of a choice of where they would purchase their fruits and vegetables in that situation, that because of shlom because of uh, uh, the desire to make sure that we as as neighbors, as, as, as uh, you know, Jews who associate with each other continue to do so, they should be lenient and go ahead and eat in that home. Would that be a comparable situation?
10: An interesting question. I think uh, there's a lot of room to be lenient today because when we talk about the Heter mechira, we're working off of the premise that Shemitah in our times is only considered rabbinic. It's only Midr mm-hmm. That being the case, there's a lot more room to argue that there are leniencies, and for considerations of Shalom bayis or not to embarrass or offend someone, there certainly would be concessions that would be made. The Gemara does discuss uh, in Mestethas Brechas about where we are allowed to perhaps Break the law for the purposes. Of when it comes to Issud we would allow someone to, uh, in some way, break the regular halachic norm, in order to conform with Kavodabriyas. Abrius. Very certainly is a consideration. I know my father told me many years ago that uh, when he was when he was in the Rabsheer or at some point when he was learning by Rav Salavichik there was a question that was presented, which I think is a fascinating one, and that is that back then, children who went to Israel for the year, which was not so much in style like it is today, uh, did not come home for Pesach. And the question that was asked was, you know, this person went from America to Israel for Pesach, did not have many relatives there, did not have so many friends, and the only place where they were invited for Yom Tif was a place where they were going to eat Gibruks. And uh, the father of this child asked Rav how his son should handle that, that he does he have to do a Hataris Nadarim in order to allow his son to eat Gebruks this year. After all, he's from a Hasidisha family, and they normally would not eat Gibrux. So that was a question that was presented to Rav at the time. And uh, my father told me that Rav said that in such a circumstance, a Hataris Nadarim would not even be necessary.
0: Wow. But that's, so, uh, that's not something we would be able to apply to kidneos, however. If someone
10: right. if so- is, is considered to be more established, a more firmly established minhug than the idea of, of Gibrux. Gibrux was started by the students of the Belshemtiv, which was not that long ago. All right. Uh, the practice of kidneys is uh, basically a thousand years old.
0: It seems the only way to uh, address the whole kidneys issue is if you're a woman, you marry an Ashkenazi man. I mean, you marry a Sephardi man. That would be the only uh, only way to uh, to make an adjustment like that, it seems.
10: Yeah, well, even there, there's a discussion. Chazanish has a story about a couple who came to him that the husband was very upset that his wife refused to eat kidneys when, or refused to eat Gabruk, something of that nature, when they got married. And he said he was from a Sephardi family, and he couldn't understand why she wouldn't go along with it. So uh, he wanted to get divorced over this issue. (laughs) And uh, the chazanish felt that this is certainly not a good reason to file for a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the chazanish suggested that he thinks it's wise either he said the husband should mind his own business and allow his wife to do whatever makes her comfortable, or they should just uh, discuss it and figure out what would be a, a good compromise for both of them.
0: Wow, interesting. I apologize that this five-minute conversation has developed into, <laughs> into close to a half hour. I didn't mean to take up so much of your time. Rabbi Shai Shechter, roche based minister of the Young Israel of Woodmere. By the way, uh, before we do in fact conclude, have you heard about this effort among people in Israel that because such a large percentage of the country in fact um, uh, eats kitniyos on Pesach, some, uh, some halachic sources argue that uh, anybody who is uh, now a Ben Eretz Israel should be able to fall under that umbrella? And have kidneys on Pesach?
10: I've heard such an argument, but from the teachers that I consult with, uh, none of them have felt that that was a convincing argument at all.
0: I'm trying everything I can, Rabbi, just uh, to have, uh, <laughs> just to have some, some rice and some corn on Pesach. I'm trying my best.
10: <laughs> yep. Well,
0: you know, tradition is very
10: important, and certainly when we talk about the holiday of Pesach, where everybody has their own traditions and all of them are sacred, so it's something that we need to work hard to uphold.
0: Greatly appreciate your time. Today, at the Young Israel of Woodmere, you will conclude your remarks about Kitnios and this whole question about the seventh and eighth day Pesach, correct?
10: Yes. Amir Toshem. we look forward
0: Thank you so much. And a chad kashr v'somech to you. Rabbi Shai Shechter, he's Rosh Beis Medrash, Young Israel of Woodmere, helped us with uh, uh, the analysis of this question that came up during our Pesach Products program this past Monday right here at JM in the AM. More coming up at JM in the AM. JM in the AM, words from the Haggadah, Nishmas Kolchai. Wednesday morning, JM in the AM. You'll remember back around Purim time, our friends at the Rothenberg Law Firm who have been uh, sponsoring amazing special events for us here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, they joined us live via telephone to discuss uh, safety, to discuss safety. They, they'd, prefer, they'd prefer if they had the less business and more safe and sound people over any holiday, Purim, Pesach, etc., uh, then, God forbid, the opposite. And there's uh, there are plenty of safety considerations to keep in mind as we get closer and closer to the holiday of Pesach. Uh, the Rothenberg Law Firm, you'll find them, at, find them at injurylawyer.com, injurylawyer.com with us live via telephone. The person who's been running their Hackensack, New Jersey office for the last 11 years, Melissa Rothenberg-Kapustin, Melissa, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank
12: you for having me.
0: A pleasure. I need you to reiterate this for our audience. As much as you guys are experts in the, uh, in the field of law, and they're certainly willing to help anybody who gets into a really difficult situation, whatever the case may be, injury, etc., you would prefer, and your entire group would prefer, if everybody stayed as safe as possible and never would need to call you. Am I right about this?
12: Absolutely. Definitely don't want anyone having to call us, especially during these times when there's so much stress and so many kids around and so many preparations happening. It's best to be safe than having to need us at this time.
0: That's for sure, and as we've said many, many times on this program, uh, that is uh, the goal, the first goal of uh, the Rothenberg Law Firm, is to serve the community and to remind everybody about how to stay safe and stay in a, a safe situation, as we heard on Purim. All right, before Purim, and uh, that. Secondly, of course, if God forbid anything does happen, they are there to use their expertise to help anybody out there. You can go to InjuryLawyer.com uh, dot com for information, folks. InjuryLawyer.com. dot com. Melissa, I'm going to start with uh, with some of the things that have been that have been published. People don't even realize what's going on this week in every Jewish home around the world, frankly. And um, I don't think it's a secret that over fifty percent of uh, of fires. Um, in apartments, and over 25% of fires in private homes start in the kitchen. And boy, is there a lot of kitchen activity. So we're reminding people today, number one, to stay in the kitchen and never leave cooking food unattended. Uh, We encourage people who are cooking in the kitchen to wear tight or snug-fitting sleeves. Loose sleeves have an opportunity to unfortunately catch on fire. When handling boiling water or anything at high temperatures, of course, take extra precaution. Try not to become distracted when you're attending to children or answering phone calls, etc., which I know is a big, big challenge. Here's a recommendation to create a kid-free zone of at least three feet around your stove and keep the area clear of towels, papers, anything that can burn. Of course, the pot handles want to be turned inward, facing the wall, not giving anybody the possibility of spilling anything, having a hot pot or a a lid uh, uh, fall and, God forbid, burn someone. And of course, uh, the most important thing is to treat burns immediately with cold running water and medical attention as best as possible. Um, I, I guess there—I mean, there are so many things. I just went through a whole bunch. There are so many things to remind people about as this holiday progresses. Uh, the kitchen is certainly one of the most important areas, and um, uh, you've seen from your experience what God forbid could occur when one of these things uh, gets out of hand and is not handled. Properly, so I guess I guess we turn to you with your expertise to remind everybody that you could unfortunately describe the type of situation people get into, and that they really should try to stay as safe as possible.
12: Yes, absolutely, and all of those safety tips that you gave over for sure should definitely be adhered to, and other aspects that people should pay attention to. And in terms of the kid-free zone, that's a must. As much as you walk in the house, and again, you know, you get home from work, or your child screaming, and they want you to hold them or they want to be in the kitchen and helping you, the idea to keep them as far away from the stovetop, from the oven, from any of the hot water that you're pouring on your countertops or your sinks, et cetera, is an absolute must. The other thing to keep in mind is that during the Chagim, we always have our hot water urns out, and that is a very big safety hazard. Unfortunately, we've seen countless children who have been burned by water that either the hot water Urn turns over, or they climb on the counter and knock it over, and that is something that I guess people don't necessarily realize how much of a danger it is. But when you're looking to buy your Pesadic hot water urn, just make sure it's a safe one, and also make sure to keep your children as far away from it as possible. There have been too many pretty yum and on yum-tove burns from hot water urns that people, again, don't necessarily view as so much of a danger.
0: Melissa rothenberg Kapustin is with us. Rothenberg Law Firm, Injury lawyer.com We're just trying to give some safety tips. This is something we do with assorted people before holidays. This year, uh, we've asked the Rothenberg Law Firm to join us for this with their expertise at seeing, unfortunately, seeing some terrible disasters uh, because of um, uh, negligence or uh, accidents um, also, we, um, we, we have to stress, and it is, uh, you know, again, you know, we, we, try to balance, we try to balance safety and tradition. Um, but Melissa, you and I and other people involved in the community can certainly relate terrible, tragic stories that we have heard in reference to tomorrow night. What I mean, of course, is that traditionally a candle is used for the searching of the hummets. Uh, again, we are not here to serve as rabbinic advisors, but I would suggest to people that if they think that it can get out of hand, or they think that uh, uh, that it would prevent you know young children from their desire to participate by holding the candle, and God forbid, God knows uh, what may happen. Um, you know, we may want to recommend that uh, you speak to your rabbis about using other means, flashlights, etc. Uh, but this has been <clears throat> just like on Hanukkah, we see tragedies from standing candles that end up. Uh, lighting up the things we don't want them to um, uh, when it comes to Badika's Khamas they search for the Khamas we have also heard of terrible tragedies and um and to, to say they changed the lives of uh, of people and families is an understatement so join me please Melissa in reminding people that tomorrow night being an amazing tradition a beautiful one has to be done in the safest way possible
12: indeed indeed in in terms of that Using a candle, if you're using it, just make sure your child doesn't get a hold of it. You know, you, you can look, ask your local rabbi, and we're going to reiterate that. Um, but if you are using it, absolutely keep your child as far away. And there are certain ages that, you know, when the child gets to, they may grab it out of your hand or may want to just walk around with the candle, but it's not a great idea. So just stay safe on that as well.
0: All right, what can you tell us about, and this has been such an issue for decades in this country, frankly, and it seems to always affect our community more than others because of the, uh, uh, again, because of the uh, common practice that we have uh, before Pesach of, of going crazy about Pesach cleaning. What can you tell us about cleaning supplies, uh, about what's come across your desk in the past when it's come to uh, companies, that have products that are really, really dangerous for both children and adults. And we, as children and adults, may not realize that. What could you tell us about the whole cleaning supplies area?
12: Well, one of the first cases I ever handled in my office was a three year old child got a hold of some cleaning supplies and sprayed his one year old brother Ugh. with the cleaning material Ugh. and mild, sustained second degree burns and scarring that will last him for the rest of his life, unfortunately. <laughs> So those are things that, again, people aren't necessarily aware of. You know, you see the warnings on the back, and some actually, some products don't even have the warnings, just how much these products can harm children's skin especially, but even adults, whether it's, you know, harming eyes and the fumes can make people really sick afterwards. Obviously, take precautions when you're using them and lock up all of your cleaning products. Please don't leave them on your countertops that your children can climb up and use them as guns, you know, instead of their Nerf guns, using their <laughs> the Windex and the Lysol, spritzing their younger brother or younger sister, because that's not something that, you know, is a toy. It really, really could cause a problem. As I said, the permanent scarring that that poor one-year-old sustained something that you never, ever want to happen to your own child.
0: By the way, and, and you may have said this in your opening on this issue, but I want to reiterate it if you did. Uh, am I right that in a lot of these cases that you just described, Parents don't even realize that their children are burned. It's not like they they would feel it right away or that they would see it right away. Am I right about that?
12: Yeah, 100%. You don't necessarily see it. I mean, the child may start screaming, right. but you might not even realize whether they're screaming because they're burnt or they're screaming because, you know, their older sibling just attacked them with a spritz bottle of sorts. But yeah, absolutely. It's only after the fact when you can take a look at really the the redness, sometimes the swelling or the pain that the child says or tries to express that they're
0: in. Look, it's an amazing holiday. It is an amazing holiday, and we all know the pluses and the benefits, etc., and how great a family holiday it is. But there are situations out there that really can get out of hand and unfortunately very, very dangerous. And as you said, when it comes to the cleaning supplies, uh, you guys are, are one of the calls that people make because uh, there, there is somebody who is responsible for that, uh, whether they're doing the warnings properly, whether they've uh, advertised their product properly, et cetera, et cetera. And there are other cases and situations as well. Uh, people you would need your services anything else we should know or uh, essentially between fire and cleaning supplies we've ad- fire and and i should say cooking food and cleaning supplies we've essentially addressed uh the most prevalent uh aspects of safety for this holiday yeah i
12: think we've addressed mostly all of the aspects of safety one other thing which is Somewhat minor to some, but major to others, is a food allergy problem that some people have, especially during Pesach time, Mm. if your child's allergic to nuts or eggs, uh, the products that are out for, you know, kosher Pesach products are filled with the nuts products and egg products, and some of them are labeled, and if they're produced in the United States of America, they have to contain the warning label that it contains whatever allergies. But not necessarily all products from every country do have the same standard. So that's something to keep in mind. Just again, if you have a child who is heavily allergic, to make sure you keep that in mind before you do feed your child any product, especially without any label warning of any allergens.
0: Very good point. Add that to the 2018 list. (laughs) I don't think we were talking about that 20 years ago, but today you're 100% right. That is one area uh, that has become prevalent and that parents are paying a lot more attention to melissa rothenberg kapustin from the uh, rothenberg law firm you can go to injurylawyer.com for information about the work that they do or call them at one 651 888-651-3781 i'm glad and i'm very happy that you and your uh, firm are able to join us for this safety segment and i take this opportunity to wish you and the entire staff and your families a chad and to continue to do great work in the community
12: thank you and a chad to you as
0: well Greatly appreciate that. Wednesday morning broadcast, plenty more coming up as we continue at JM in the AM.
6: Hallelujah,
1: Hallelujah, <laughs> <laughs> Ha
6: leila she
1: are she
7: are Ha
0: JM in the AM, that's Lipa with a song called Manishtana here at JM in the AM. Before that, you heard the uh, uh, Maccabees in there with their Manishtana here at JM in the AM. Uh, well, I have big news for everybody. NCSY, be- this is an article, by the way, written by uh, Bela Sheva Brenner about the brand new NCSY sitter. NCSY believes it can revolutionize, re- revolutionize the way teens daven. And it published a first-of-its-kind sidur to prove it. Conceived of and designed to inspire teenagers from across the spectrum of Torah observance, the soon-to-be-released NCSY sidur comes packed with spiritually stirring stories, provocative questions, and images. NCSY is confident the new sidur will help young people connect to the uh, words of the Tfilot and come to value prayer more by Micha Greenland. International Director of NCSY says, The world at large struggles with using tefillah to create a relationship with Hashem. This is acutely true for teens. Schools do a good job of preparing them to navigate the sidur, but When it comes to helping them relate to the davening, they are in challenging territory. The idea for the sidur came to Debbie Stone, NCSY's Associate Director of Education. A few summers ago at the time, she, on the N. Samson Jerusalem Journey TJJ Summer Program, realized the public school teen's on the trip needed help understanding the meaning and the power of Jewish prayer. She is the Director of Day School Engagement for New York NCSY. Debbie Stone is with us live via telephone. Debbie, welcome to JM in the AM.
13: Thank you so much. Good morning.
0: First of all, mazal tov on the Siddur. Uh, it is, um, it, you know, there are a lot of Siddurim out there. You, you know that, right? There are a lot of Siddurim on this planet.
13: <laughs> I do. I know.
0: And therefore, when someone says they are going to create or compile a, um, or even work on a new C-Door. Sometimes people roll their eyes and wonder how different this can be from others that are predecessors of the of this C-Door. Uh, but this, I must tell you, and I've only seen this, a few sample pages, but this one really does an amazing job. And your goal was really to touch the hearts of uh, those public school youth and others of limited background who are, who are really searching for a C-Door that'll help them connect with God, right? Would that be the right way of putting it?
13: Yeah, definitely. Originally, that was the goal, and I think the goal evolved a little bit more as we started to realize that it's not just people with background um, that's limited, but actually a lot of people in, in, with Yeshiva Day School backgrounds or, or from backgrounds are having a struggle and are looking for meaning and are looking for inspiration in their davening, and this did evolved into something that really belongs to everybody, and everyone can have a part of it.
0: What are we doing wrong? Why are children and adults alike in so many cases having trouble connecting with the quote-unquote basic tefillah?
13: So that's a very big question for probably experts more informed than I. However, in my very humble opinion, I think uh, we're we're not necessarily being true to our real selves. I think sometimes we've put into a box what we expect tefillah to be, that we say the words, either we expect the results or we don't expect anything at all, and that's really a daily routine. And I think we've forgotten that to fill has a lot more to do with self-introspection, self-evaluation, saying what you really feel, even if it's not cookie-cutter and in-the-box, and really coming to terms with real emotion and spiritual feeling rather than just reading words off a page, which we may or may not understand.
0: Debbie Stone with his live via telephone. Is the Sidor available yet?
13: It is indeed. It's available either directly through Corin's website or through the OU Press website. Available, ready to go, and we're very excited to see people using it.
0: All right, so we'll give corinpub.com, uh, dot 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 com. I believe it is right. K O R. I believe so. yeah, it is Corinpub.com, dot com. A shout out, and of course. Uh, uh, to uh, OU Press as well. Um, is it known as the NCSY c Is this the very first time? You Because know, yeah. there, there have been many, many iterations of the NCSY Bencher. Is the first NCSY c I'm glad you
13: asked. We struggled with the name for a long time, but we couldn't even think to match or, or gain any momentum from the Bencher. So we thought, why ruin a perfectly good strategy? The bencher is the NCSY bencher, and the sitter is the Corrin NCSY sitter.
0: Yeah, simple as that. Now I, I can. Now, now let's go through the format because again, oh. skeptics, you know, who hear about a new sitter, you know, they they wonder what could be much different. Um, there there are sections uh, on each page of what we traditionally, where we would traditionally put commentary, where, where somebody would expound on the thoughts that are being conveyed in the specific fila. You've used those sections a little differently. Describe it to the audience, please.
13: Sure. So we have four sections of commentary, different sections to give um, a space for different learners. Each person learns differently or connects differently, and therefore we have different commentary. So there are four four sections one is called Connection. It's about inspirational stories and inspirational poems, something that really speaks to the heart. We have Learning, which is traditional learning. It gives an explanation on the history of the prayer or something in the text that's a typical Limud. We have Reflection Questions, which are designed to be introspective, to ask zavana the person reading the Siddha, to really think inside of themselves. And the last one is called A Thousand Words, after a picture is a thousand words. And it's a photographic commentary. It's a photograph that should give a picture, so to speak, to the words on the page. And it's interesting. And each, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, it's each one is color coded, and so mm. each page in the text, each word in the text, is connected to the color. So if you want, if we wanted a picture to explain a particular word, that picture is color coded with the color theme for a thousand words commentary.
0: Got it. Um... You know, many times we want people to concentrate uh, on specific passages. In your case, uh, you know, a- add the picture element to it. You guys actually <laughs> tell people close your eyes and think about this. Think about what you achieved this week. I'm looking at the Hadla Khatnei Road page. Think what you've achieved this week. You, you tell people to look at the picture of the Shabbat candles and, and you know, think things through as you're looking at this picture. It, it, you know, today, sometimes you need direct instructions in terms of getting something done or uh, encouraging somebody to do, someone to do something. Here, you're, you're taking that role. You're literally telling people, you know, I'm going to walk you through this process. Close your eyes. Think of the following. It's going to enhance the whole experience.
13: Exactly. We wanted to help guide people. The commentary and the questions are really a guide to help people think for themselves and feel for themselves. But as you said, we wanted to help them facilitate that discussion.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's a nice approach, and I think a very 2018 approach, frankly. Um, in one of the so the pictures we spoke about, the commentary, and I just emphasize how in some of that commentary you'll actually have direction in terms of what to do. On one of them, in the uh, section with you did Nefesh, you actually use the connection section. To include a letter, a letter from, from a, a child, at least it seems to be a, you know a teen son to his mom. what inspired that type of thing?
13: So this, is a, this was Daniel's rewriting of a very long story that's fairly well known in some of the, in some of the typical cure of worlds. Um, and it's a beautiful story about a boy who goes home to his parents or his thinking about going home to his parents on a long journey after a long time being estranged. And uh, Daniel did a beautiful job of putting the story together because it takes a long time to tell the story, never mind write the story. Um, And it's a story about a boy who's scared to go home, but he he is because it's time to come back. And it's a very, very connecting story about that there's always something there waiting for you, even if you've been gone for a very long time.
0: And when you say Daniel, you mean your co-author, Dr. Daniel Rose?
13: Dr. Daniel Rose, yes.
0: Uh, The two of you worked on this, and it's now called the NCSY sitter. It is available. It is really an amazing work. Uh, Everybody out there, I I have a feeling, I mean, I don't know what your feelings are, especially after putting all these hours into this project, but I have a feeling this is really going to make its mark out there, that this is going to be one of those SIDRIM that uh, every home uh, is going to have at some point because it just offers something I don't think any other sitter ever offered, frankly.
13: That's the dream. That's the hope. And uh, you'll have one shortly. It's on the way to you.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> it will certainly enhance our uh, tefillah experience. Is this a uh, Shabbat and Yom Tov door, or this is good for every day of the year?
13: This is good for weekday and Shabbat and Holomoids.
0: Very nice. So everybody out there, check it out. Uh, the, the website's Koren Pub dot com k o r e n p u b dot com. You can also search ou press. You're looking for the Koren NCSY Sitter. It is available in hardcover, Hebrew and English, and it has, uh, in addition to the Hebrew and English, right, the translation of the actual tefilot. It has as um, as a Debbie ha- uh, a Debbie Stone has uh, has told us has sections called learning, reflection, a thousand words, and connection, all of which have a role. In getting all of us, not just those from limited background, but all of us more involved in Tfilah, more aware of Tfilah, and hopefully more connected with God through Tfilah, through our davening. So I am highly recommending it, and I hope everybody out there has an opportunity to go and uh, and see uh, the beauty of the brand new sidor. Debbie Stone is the co-author and director of Day School Experience at uh, day school engagement, rather, at New York NCSY. Her co-author, Dr. Daniel Rose, and they've got the brand new Coran NCSY Sitter in both Hebrew and English, Corenpub.com or search our friends at OU Press. Try to get it ASAP. Congratulations, Debbie. It's an amazing work, and uh, I wish you the best of luck with this. I hope that this, uh, in fact, does go the way I predict, that every Jewish home is going to insist on having it in their home.
13: Thank you
0: so much. A pleasure and have a Hadka Sheriff Sameach. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
2: Eloo, Eloo, Hotsea, no Hotsea, no me, meets Raym, Hotsea, no meets Raym, die, 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 die,
7: die, 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 will,
1: Open the door for Eliyahu. And no!
2: Oh, 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 oh,
7: Avar nu et parol, na'avol gam <Sing et ze. Ali <and> lot shkadim tsorim <singing> kashim shrotzim <Sing dak laharos.
1: Avar nu et parol, na'avol gam et ze. Avetekulanu yachad lechovot ha'ir mikachavir v'init. <singing> gama kulam bkoha alam The Lord is the
7: They tell you that you're too small to make
1: a
2: difference They tell you that
1: you're too weak Go the distance, but take the first step and you'll see that you can go far. They tell you that you're too lost to be inspired. They tell you that you're too short to reach up higher. But they're not feeling the passion that lives in your heart. Oh, just trust in yourself
8: and show them who you are.
1: make it, but you push to the limit, and see now what could be achieved, only oh, show them the world can be changed, if you only
0: JM and the AM, Change the World, Navar, both done by Simcha Liner here at JM and the AM. Uh, before that, you heard um, Chaim David Burson with Echad Hashem. The Maccabees had Dayenu in there. Wednesday morning, a reminder, Monday night, we are at um, the King's Theater with Rachmil Begun, the Miami Boys Choir, Avremel Avram Fried, who you're about to hear, and uh, Mordechai Shapiro. Go to jewishtickets.com, jewishtickets.com. Also, NCSY information ncsy information for uh, tuesday uh you go to uh, you go to ncsy greatadventure.com and um get all the information about tuesday's event that starts 4 p.m in uh the amphitheater at um six flags wrapping things up as i said with avremo with avram Fried with a great pesach tune at jm in the a.m Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachomZegal.com, on the NachomZegal network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. up an amazing Wednesday pre-Pesach edition of JMN. Thanks to all of our guests. Uh, a special thank you to by Shai Shachter for checking in from the young Israel of Woodmere on the uh, big kidney question that we had and a whole bunch of other stuff which I appreciate him <laughs> addressing on the air. Um, tomorrow we're back. We'll start at 6am. Make sure to join us. You don't know what may happen tomorrow. We have some special guests in studio tomorrow. That's right. After all, it's the Thursday, the day before Erev Yomtov. Right before B'dikas Khametz. Uh, have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Segal to reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.